Welcome to TCC Alive, a podcast of Tulare Community Church. The Lord be with you, Tulare Community Church. Uh, we love you and are so grateful to be here. In this particular case, I'm with Nancy. We're here to celebrate the installation of Ryan Hall as a new pastor on your leadership team, and I couldn't be happier. Ryan and Claire have become very dear to Nancy and to me. If you ever hear a teacher say they don't have favorites, they love all their students, they're not telling you the truth. There are some students you just love a lot. And over their time in seminary, they become friends of yours. Ryan and Claire are those kinds of students. And now I'm just really eager uh, to share with you uh, a vision that is filled with so much energy and hope and challenge Uh, And I want to offer this to you on this great, great day. Listen with me to these words from the book that we love. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth so that they might not blow against the earth or the sea or the trees. And then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun, having the seal of God, and with a great voice, he calls out to the other angels who had been given uh, the power over the earth and the sea, saying to them, do not damage the earth or the sea or the trees until we have marked with a seal those who have been chosen by God. And then I heard the number of those who had been chosen. It was a human number, 144,000 sealed out of every tribe from the people of Israel. From the tribe of Judah, 12,000 sealed. From the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 sealed. From the tribe of Gad, 12,000. From the tribe of Asher, 12,000. From the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000. From the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000. From the tribe of Simeon, 12,000. From the tribe of Levi, 12,000. From the tribe of Issachar, 12,000. From the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000. From the tribe of Joseph, 12,000. From the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000 sealed. After this, I looked and I saw people from every nation and tribe and language on the face of the earth, standing before the throne of God and before the Lamb, robed in white, holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out with loud voices saying, Salvation belongs to our God and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and the elders And the living creatures, and they fell on their faces, and they worshiped God, singing, Amen, blessing and glory, thanksgiving, honor, power and might be to our God. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these who are robed in white and have, and where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one who knows. And he said to me, these are they who have 
wash their robes in the blood of the lamb and made and made them white in the blood of the lamb for this reason they are before the throne of god and they worship him day and night within his temple and the lord will shelter them oh there's more to this that's revelation 7 by the way but i'm going to stop there um I just really have two things to say. And the first of them is something about what God has promised to do for us. And then something about we must promise to do for God. But first, the things that God has promised to do for us. He has promised to seal us, to keep us in his heart of love, no matter what happens. Wasn't that dramatic? that roll call of the people of Israel from the tribe of Judah, 12,000 sealed from the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000 sealed. It's like a roll call. In every instance, God is assuring his people that he has them sealed from before the foundations of the earth. This is our great God. And if ever there was a time that the people of God need to hear this, I would say, this is that time. So how, how many people have been infected with the coronavirus in the United States, worldwide? How many have died? I, I know just in our little circle of friendships, uh, we've lost three friends to this disease. One was an elderly man who's a member of Pillar Church where our son John is the pastor, but two of them were professors of theology, colleagues of mine. They were, one was the president and the other was a professor of theology at New Brunswick Seminary, Greg Mast and Alan Jansen, just gone, taken by this virus. And what a great hope to say, they, but they were sealed, sealed by the blood of the lamb and made God's own. This is a very great hope and promise for us, friends. Did I ever tell you, oh, I must have told you this at some time. I know it's a little bit like bragging, but uh, when I was a senior in high school, I had the lead play in the school play, the annual play of the year. It was Thornton Wilder's Our Town, and I played the role of the stage manager, which you may laugh, thinking that's not such a great role. You don't have that many speaking parts, but you're on stage for every scene, which meant I had to go to every practice for the whole run up to the play and then all the rehearsal before the play. I was there. And I remember so vividly a particular scene um, that turned around Emily Gibbs and her at one point to be husband George they were little children sitting in the open window of Emily's bedroom in Grover's Corner and she is wondering aloud with him and says to him did I ever tell you about the letter that Jane Crof that Jane Crofit's minister sent her when she was sick George said no Emily said well, he did, and he addressed it like this. Jane Crowfoot, Crowfoot's Farm, Grover's Corner, Sutton's County. George interrupted and said, what's so big about that? Emily said, but he didn't stop there. 
Grover's Corner, Sutton's County, New Hampshire, United States of America, North American continent, Western Hemisphere, planet Earth, solar system, mind of God. George says, what do you know about that? Emily says to him, yeah, and the letter got there just the same. Well, it was a great scene, but what's the point of it? The point of it is that we are kept in the mind of God. You may be elderly and without power, but the mind of God has you kept. You may be a single mom trying to hammer it out with three children and a very small income. You belong to God. The point is that God watches over us and cares for us all of the time. We belong to him. I brought with me, if I can find it, hope I can find it, an S, oh, here it is, right here. Um, you remember the name of Todd Billings? Todd is uh, a young theologian on the faculty at Western Theological Seminary. Uh, he's become like a son to me, and he's brilliant. And as you may know from your prayers in years past, some years ago he was diagnosed with multiple myeloma, which is a killer cancer. Well, he recently wrote a new book, and in that book, he has a brief essay that goes a little bit like this. Listen to this. Thankfully, for the vast bulk of church history, Christian teaching has insisted that in the incarnation, the Son assumes human suffering and death in order to conquer suffering and death emptying them of their finality. In a sense, it is true that God embraces us in our suffering and does so with perfect compassion. In Christ, we see a fulfillment of the suffering servant portrayed in Isaiah, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. In Christ, we have a high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses God identifies with human sorrow, grief, and suffering. But our hope is not that God is overtaken by our suffering in the same way that we are. We hope because in Christ, God has taken our human suffering and death so that they are denied their power to define our lives. I want to read that last part again. In Christ, God has taken on human suffering and death so they are denied of their power to define our lives. From the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000 sealed for God. God has sealed us and kept us in all of the sorrow and all of the pain that you could ever know has been, is unable to define you in Christ. I, I love that. I love that. I couldn't wait to tell you. But that's the first thing. Now, now I've got something else to say. It's a little bit like meddling here. But listen to this. After the, this, I looked. There was a great multitude which no one could number from every nation and tribe and people and languages. Isn't that interesting? You go from 12,000 sealed to an, an 
innumerable number of people. Well, what's the point? The point is that God has sealed a people for himself, but the people that he has sealed for himself have been given a great responsibility. And the great responsibility is to share the good news of the living God to everyone everywhere. The way you get from 12,000 sealed to a, a number that no one could imagine is because the people of God take upon themselves the responsibility to do the work of the living God in the world. Which is to say, being sealed, being kept by the power of God is, is not licensed to gloat or to relax or to do nothing but be happy with your circumstances, but it's to roll up the sleeves of your soul and do the work of God in the world. And quite frankly, I've seen that in this congregation. I, I have long been so impressed with your deep commitment to church multiplication. I don't think there's another congregation in the entire denomination who has been more diligent over a longer period of time in planting churches. I used to be of the mindset that the best way to bring in unbelievers into the life of the church and to see them converted is by the growth of mega churches. So I, I was the once the pastor of a congregation with thousands of members in it, thinking to myself, this is how it's done. But I, I now see that I was quite wrong. The way that it actually happens is by smaller cells of people who commit themselves to plant churches in different areas where harder to reach people in our context are able to be found because of relationships. You've done that to Larry Church and I'm proud of you for that. You know, I looked at my notes and I think if I'm not wrong, my first trip to Tulare, California was in 2000. This is 2020. I don't think there's been a year in 20 years when, by God's grace, you haven't invited me out here. I'm so grateful for that. But I got to tell you, it was never merely for the best of motives. Um, when I would fly out, most of the time, I would fly out a day or two ahead of whatever person from the advancement office at Western Seminary who, who would be coming out here to visit you generous people. Um, I would come out ahead of them so that I could fly into LAX, rent a car, and drive south towards San Diego, stopping in Escondido. Why Escondido? Well, I stopped in Escondido so that I could go to a, a retirement home where uh, one of the most remarkable men lived. His name was Harvey Hookstra. Harvey Hookstra was a 1948 graduate of Western Theological Seminary. He and his wife, Levina, left Western Seminary, took a long, slow boat to England, where for a year they did language training at Selly Oaks so that they could become that kind of translator who could listen to a language 
that what that had no print to it and create a vocabulary and create words and then in time translate the word of the living God in the heart language of that people. Uh, Harvey and Levina were, were, were brilliant and they were so hard working and so called. So they were sent out by the Reformed Church then in what would be that like 1950 to Ethiopia where they were assigned once they arrived in Addis Ababa, they were to make their way on a 10-day journey at the end, literally hacking their way through the jungle along the Godari River so they could meet a tribe, a violent tribe of people called the Masingos. They camped on the other side of the river from them, and they just began an incarnational ministry among them. They would meet at the river where the women would wash clothes, the men would get water or fish or whatever they would do, and slowly but surely, they began to learn the language. But it was hard going and it was frightening. One night, Harvey told me of a time during the monsoon rains. The lightning was flashing and the rain was pounding in the jungle. And every time a lightning bolt flashed, Harvey could see just outside their tent the silhouette of a man, a Masingo warrior. He was seized with panic, thinking, oh no, they've come for us. So, in an effort to protect his family, he got up, opened the tent, and stood before this warrior who was motioning him to come with him. Harvey had no idea what was going to happen next, but he grabbed hold of the loincloth of the Masingo warrior and followed him deep into the jungle to the place where his family was camping just outside the village. It seems as though that Masingo warrior had a child who was desperately ill. And, and they thought that this white man from the United States could heal her. Well, Harvey wasn't a medical missionary. He was a linguist. But he had a medical kit, and he knew a few things that he could do. He made a poultice and applied it to the child, and he sat there and prayed all night long for that little one. And wouldn't you know it, somewhere at the end of the night, the fever broke. And the child was well. Well, you could imagine the gratitude that this family had. And right then and there, that tribal warrior was converted to the gospel, his first convert, all because of this amazing miracle that had happened. And his six wives, Harvey would later laughingly reflect on, uh, how grateful he was for the conversion and how perplexed he was. What do I do now with a man who has six wives? Well, he decided he would let that ride for a little while. But nonetheless, that began a gospel movement along the Godary River. Well, Harvey and Levina stayed there for probably another 25 years. And when they left, there were over a thousand Christians among the Masingos 
all from that great work that they had done. Amazing. And then Harvey was called back to the United States so that he could found Portable Recording Ministries, a way of uh, taking the gospel into all kinds of different places through recordings. And he labored at that for another 20 years, finally retired here in California. And I would visit him whenever I would come out to see Tulare. I remember one visit in particular. It had to be 2002. Well, it had to be 2000 or 2001. And I was visiting him in his retirement village down in Escondido. And I said, Harvey, how can I pray for you? He said, oh, Tim, please pray that, that my uh, heart condition is improved. He had congestive heart failure. And he had been invited to return to Ethiopia to give an address at the 60th anniversary of the Odola Presbyterian Church a church that he had founded with that Masingo warrior. I got to tell you why it's called Odola Presbyterian Church. Apparently the Masingos did not like the name Harvey, so they changed it to Odola. Well, now you got to hear the rest of the story. So Harvey made his way back. The Lord had already taken Levinus, so this old man on his 90th birthday was flying back to Ethiopia, and he landed on the airstrip that he himself had built 50 years before. And at the end of the airstrip, there were 10,000 Masingo Christians waiting to welcome Odola back. Every nation and tribe and people and languages. So how did that happen? It happened because those who were sealed took it upon their heart to care for those who were not sealed until they had been sealed by the blessing of God Almighty. Do you see what's happening here? God has called a people to himself that they might be a blessing to everyone, everywhere. Well, you know what? I think that's going to be the end of this sermon because I don't have anything better to say. The Lord bless you, Tulare Community Church, and keep your vision. Everyone, everywhere, all over the world. The Lord be with you. Thanks for listening. If you want to know more about the ministries and mission of Tulare Community Church, visit us at tccalive.org.